0: everyone and welcome back to chronic pain and paranoia welcome back it's us we always miss you um this week we have a bit of a fun theme Mm -hmm. we're gonna be talking about cases that altered our brain chemistry the first time that we heard of them yeah it's like basically like mind ones that you remember forever things
1: that you'll never return to after you've heard it
0: 100 percent and
1: and also we should explain our seating situation. Yeah,
0: <laughs> we're sitting on inflatable plastic chairs. They're basically pool floaties. Like if like you the were, same material.
1: Yeah, if you were a '90s kid, you know exactly what kind of jelly furniture we're talking yes.
0: about. Yes, I was
1: not a '90s kid, but I understand. And I wasn't either. I was <laughs> barely there for a couple months, but it's just that furniture.
0: Yeah. So if you just hear kind of crinkly that sound that sound it's just us trying to not have our feet fall asleep correct but hopefully it's not too bad um emily have you watched or consumed anything spooky recently that you can Listen, think of
1: i did so much better than the last time this past re- week i've been reading a book called the ruins by scott smith Mhm. it's all right like, it's spooky, but it's alright. You can tell that he's definitely a man that wrote this. Oh, okay. Not like that it's bad, because, like, I enjoy Stephen King. Oh, no, yeah. Like, Brandon Sanderson. But, mm-hmm. like, when it's just like.
0: There's a difference where it's a book written that happens to be written by a man. And when you're reading something and you're like, this was written by a man. Yeah. There's a difference. Like,. I want to finish it because like I have to finish it
1: because I have to finish it before I start another one that's what I told myself mm-hmm. little did I know I would not be super intrigued like Ooh. I have a couple like maybe 80 pages left which is like nothing to me yeah for sure I just don't want to yeah that's I get how you know that. it's a bad book I'm just like eh. yeah because normally I could consume a horror book in like a day
0: yeah and this for sure I'm just like
1: man it's about like this group of like college kids. Or recently out of college. I'm not sure. They go to, like, Mexico. And they stumble upon something horrible at the ruins. Of course. And you're just like, meh. And then, of course, I had to read the last page.
0: Because <laughs> I was like, well, the inevitable will happen. Like, if I'm going to suffer through this book, I might as well know what happens. Basically. Like, I knew what happens because, like, it's predictable. Oh, I hate that. So I
1: was like, That's well. That's annoying. I want to see if I'm correct and I was correct so that's even worse but now I'm just need to figure out from point a to point b for sure yeah so that's what I've been up to what spooky things have you consumed
0: um the only thing I can think of really is uh me and Chris just watched world war z Mm -hmm. it was his first time seeing it for whatever reason I've seen it like a few times but I forgot how good it is It's like, especially for when it came out. I feel like a lot of bad movies came out around that time and it could have easily been bad. 2012-ish? It was around there for sure.
1: I remember the movie and I very surprisingly actually liked it because I don't usually like zombie things other than like The Last of Us.
0: Yeah, because like, along with The Last of Us, it has substance Mm -hmm. to it and is interesting.
1: Yeah, and it's based on a book too, which I yeah, think yeah,
0: it is definitely so. helps. You can tell as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, good movie if you haven't seen it for whatever reason. It's been out forever though. Yeah,
1: it's got Brad Pitt if you like that,
0: which we don't. We're an Angelina
1: Jolie household.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the picture of her extensions? No, on the red carpet. No, <laughs> ma'am. So up. bad. If I literally so bad, I saw a TikTok. Emily, I like covered my mouth. I was like, oh, because like she can afford expensive extensions. Yeah, she is very famous.
1: Hold on, I'm looking it up. (laughs) Did you find that? No, I just typed in Angelina Jolie and the letter E, and Angelina (laughs) Jolie extensions came up. It's the (gasps) thing. right (laughs) it's shocking what (laughs) i know i'm speechless everyone google it right now with me guys it's so bad it's (laughs) there's no blend no it's just a line it's a line of her real hair and then like the horse hair that's coming out of her head
0: and like the color matches good it matches perfectly the blending is not there no, like, it looks like it's clipped underneath of her head. Oh, 100%. Like, and the baby hair's on her Oh, neck. yeah. It looks like it's one of those headband ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ew. Anyway, sorry. I keep thinking about that because it's haunting me. Now it's haunting all of you. Yeah. Anyway, Emily, how would you rate your pain today? Today, I feel
1: like a shish kebab, <laughs> but specifically the mushroom on a shish kebab... Or like, why is it here? What was the point of it being shish kebabbed?
0: Fair. I don't like mushrooms.
1: I like them occasionally, but not on a shish kebab.
0: I'm a big texture person, so I have a hard time with them. Yeah, and when they're grilled,
1: they're not like toasty. They don't get toasty as fast Mm-mm. as the other things, and then they're
0: just chewy Weird. on the inside. Yeah. Still. Yeah. That's a good one. Thanks. How would you rate your paint? I uh, I told this one to Chris yesterday, and I filed it away. Um, I saw this TikTok where this guy, he had a cellmate in prison who was, like, 18. And he was in for killing both of his parents. Oh. And the MO of killing his dad, he stabbed him in the stomach with a pitchfork. (gasps) Like a decoration pitchfork. And that's how I feel. He just pulled it off the wall? Yeah. Oh, my... No, I feel like I got stabbed by a pitchfork. Yeah. In the stomach. Yeah, I get that. It didn't kill him right away, though, so then I think he, like, hit him over the head or something, and then he shot his mom, like, a day later. A day later? He, like, left, and then he, like, came back.
1: What was she doing for the day?
0: Probably calling the police and stuff.
1: Okay, I hope so. I'm like, was she just waiting around?
0: No, yeah, and this kid was, like, really high on hallucinogenics. Oh, no. So when he was telling this guy he was just like very calm because he at the time was just strung out and like yikes just wasn't thinking straight which that's not an excuse and like no he's like no yeah i'm gonna be in here forever and that's fine i killed my parents
1: at least he accepts it
0: no yeah anyway okay moving on (laughs) very detailed let's get started this podcast contains sensitive materials such as violence, murder, paranormal activity, and other adult topics, so listener discretion is advised. While we do research all of our episodes, we are just two Emilys with a microphone and a passion for all things spooky. Take it with a grain of salt. All of our sources will be in the show notes. Okay, Emily. So, I'm going to tell you about the Sodder Children Disappearances. All right. You probably have heard of this. This is probably one of the most famous unsolved cases of all time. Mm-hmm. BuzzFeed Unsolved covered this during their time. That's the first um, time that I had heard of it. So, funny story. I chose this case specifically because it's one of the first true crime cases that I consumed. hmm And I actually read it before... Buzzfeed on Salt did it.
1: Funny story. Which is crazy. The case that I'm covering today, same situation.
0: <laughs> and I didn't realize that
1: until afterwards. That's I was really like, funny.
0: Wait, I think Emily's doing the same thing.
1: That's funny. Yeah. Anyways, um, so tell us
0: about that. So I actually, when I was younger, like probably junior high, I would look up scary stories on pinterest and that's where pinterest
1: (laughs) she's going underground don't know why
0: (laughs) but this is one of the stories i found on there okay and it like stuck with me i was like oh my gosh because it's genuinely so hard to wrap your head around
1: okay i have a question yes you said you found it on pinterest Mm -hmm. did you find like a picture and then click through or
0: how Um, did that happen
1: I'm just curious.
0: It was like a picture of the billboard of them. Because there was a billboard made mm-hmm. for them. And the story was like under it.
1: Really? In the description?
0: Either that or like I clicked on it.
1: Okay. Because I was like.
0: <laughs> I don't remember. But I used to do this all the time.
1: I have a new hobby.
0: <laughs> Going to Pinterest. I don't know how. And then the other thing I would look up would be um, like faith in humanity restored so just be like nice stories Uh uh-huh like even it
1: out (laughs) uh no you're better than me i was like scary stories ghost stories
0: ghost stories to scary. No, yeah and i specifically looked up unsolved stories so when buzzfeed unsolved came out Mm -hmm. i like knew most of them oh my goodness which is crazy anyway let's get started yeah so starting with a little bit of an overview. For nearly four decades, anyone driving down Route 16 near fayetteville I don't know if that's how you say that, West Virginia, uh, could see a billboard bearing the grainy images of five children, all dark hair and solemn dyes, their names and ages, Maurice, 14, Martha, 12, Louis, 9, Jenny, 8, Betty, 5, stenciled beneath, along with a speculation about what happened to them. Fayette was and is a small town with a main street that doesn't run longer than a hundred yards. That's crazy. Um, and rumors always played a larger role in the case than evidence. No one even agreed on whether the children were dead or alive. What everyone knew for certain was this. On the night before Christmas in 1945, George and Jenny Sautter, of nine and nine of their ten children, went to sleep. One son was away in the army around 1 a.m a fire broke out george and jenny and four other children escaped but the other five were never seen again spooky right Georgia tried to save them breaking a window to re-enter the house slicing a swath of skin from his arm he could <laughs> a swath <laughs> i'm reading from our article by the way
1: okay well yeah <laughs> so that's why the word choice is the way it is <laughs> A swath. Um, How, a swath of skin?
0: Yeah, like a thick, thick piece. I don't That's know. really gross. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm just, he could see nothing.
1: I'm just trying to picture it. <laughs> like a swath. What would that even look like?
0: I'm sorry. Continue <laughs> he could see nothing through the smoke and fire, which has swept through all of the downstairs rooms. Living room... um dining room kitchen office and his and jenny's bedroom he took frantic stock of what he knew two-year-old sylvia whose crib was in their bedroom was safe outside and was 17 year old marion and his two sons 23 year old john and 16 year old george jr who had fled upstairs um who had fled the upstairs bedroom they shared uh singeing their hair on the way out that's scary that's hot He figured Maurice, Martha, Louis, Jenny, and Betty still had to be up there, cowering in two bedrooms on either end of the hallway, separated by a staircase that was now engulfed in flames. He raced back outside, hoping to reach them through the upstairs windows, but the ladder he always kept propped up against the house was strangely missing. (laughs) An idea struck. He would drive one of their two coal trucks up to the house and climb atop it to reach the windows. But even though they'd functioned perfectly the day before, neither would start now. This Extra is when it's starting spooky. to get weird. Mm-hmm. I
1: remember the case, but I don't remember the details. Like, I know I'd heard it before. For sure,
0: yeah. Um. He ransacked his mind for another option. He tried to scoop water from a rain barrel, but found it frozen solid. This is Christmas Eve in yeah. West Virginia, so.
1: Yep, frozen solid. Adds up.
0: Five of his children were stuck somewhere inside those great whipping ropes of smoke. (laughs) Sorry, the word choice is just funny. Detailed. He didn't notice that his arm was slick with blood and that his voice hurt from screaming their names. His daughter, Marion, sprinted to a neighbor's home to call the fire department, but couldn't get any operator response. A neighbor who saw the blaze made a call from a nearby tavern, but again, no operator responded. Exasperated, the neighbor drove into town and tracked down Fire Chief F.J. Morris, who initiated um, Fayette's version of a fire alarm. A phone tree system whereby one firefighter phoned another who phoned another. That's crazy. The fire department was only two and a half miles away, but the crew didn't arrive until 8 a.m., By which point, the solder's home had been reduced to a smoking pile of ash. And where were they? The fire started at one a.m.
1: Yeah. And where were they for those seven hours? Sleeping. Yeah. No.
0: That's ridiculous.
1: Walking down the streets with two trash can lids, just banging everything. Someone oh, yeah. get your ladders out. There's gotta be someone like, with a ladder.
0: That old vine that's like, I'm not getting any sleep because of y'all. Yeah, that's You're exactly what I'm thinking of. she's baking pants. I no sleep because of me. Yeah, I am that lady. Yeah. I love her. If my
1: house were on fire, yeah.
0: Seriously. So, George and Janine assume that... I keep changing her name. I, didn't even I say notice. Jenny or Janine. It looks like both. Um, with the J. Yeah, it's G E A N N I E. I'm dyslexic. I didn't okay. I'm sorry. That was rude of me.
1: No, you're good. I was just like uh (laughs) tried to compute, but nothing. So
0: they assumed that their five children were dead, but a brief search of the grounds on Christmas Day. So sorry. But a brief search of the grounds on Christmas Day turned up no trace of remains. Chief Morris suggested that the blaze had been hot enough to completely cremate the bodies. A state police inspector combed through the rubble and attributed the fire to faulty wiring. George covered the basement with five feet of dirt, intending to preserve the site as a memorial. The coroner's office issued five death certificates just before the new year, attributing the cause of, the cause to fire or suffocation. But the soldiers had begun to wonder if their children were still alive.
1: The house could not get that hot. We're going to get into that. That's all I heard. I said uh, mm-hmm. to dust. their bones to dust. That does not happen.
0: No. No, it doesn't. The whole thing is fishy, right?
1: It gets yeah. worse.
0: Yeah. We're going to go into a little family background first, though. Okay. So, George Sauter was born in... He was born in Tula Sardina, I think it's in Italy.
1: Tuna Sardines in Italy, got it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's Uh, all I got. He was born in 1895 and immigrated to the United States in 1908 when he was 13. An older brother who had accompanied him to Ellis Island immediately returned to Italy, leaving George on his own. He found work on the Pennsylvania railroads, carrying water and supplies to laborers, and after a few years, moved to Smithers, West Virginia. Smart and ambitious, he worked as a driver and then launched his own trucking company, hauling dirt for construction and later freight and coal. One day, he walked into a local store called The Music Box and met the owner's daughter. Jenny, now her name's spelled different.
1: It's whatever you want it to be.
0: I don't know how to say her last name. It's Jenny. <laughs> Who came come over from Italy when she was three. Oh, okay. They married and had 10 children between 1923
1: and 1943. That's a lot <laughs> of kids in that time frame. It is.
0: Ooh. That's like one a year. Who likes? Mm-hmm. I
1: mean, teach their own, but wow. Yeah.
0: So after, like, during that, they settled in Lafayette, uh, West Virginia. An Appalachian town, but a small, active Italian immigrant community. Yes, West Virginia is Appalachia.
1: I always forget West that Virginia fact. West Virginia is
0: also where Mothman lives.
1: Point Pleasant. Yes. Right?
0: hmm Good job. Thank you.
1: I recently saw the statue of Mothman. Did the, you? The caked up statue of Mothman.
0: Yes. <laughs> Why is he so shiny? Why is he so caked up? <laughs> <laughs> On a Thursday afternoon. He's just standing there like uh, <laughs> Why? What's he doing it's with so that? So weird. Anyways. So the Sodders were said one country magistrate. Okay. Uh, one of the most respected middle class families around. George <laughs> reminds me of the TikTok song, he was the best guy around. <laughs> What about the people he murdered? What murder? What
1: murder?
0: (laughs) I think I referenced that in one of our last episodes. I need to stop. I don't remember. Okay. So George held strong opinions about everything from business to current events and politics, but was, for some reason, um, reluctant to talk about his youth. He never explained what happened back in Italy to make him want to leave. Lots of people immigrate though.
1: Yeah. The American dream. But there's nothing wrong with Italy, though. Mm Mm-hmm. I'd stay there.
0: So now we're going to get into some of the strange circumstances surrounding this case. All right. So the Sodders planted flowers across the space where their house had stood and began to stitch together a series of odd moments leading up to the fire. There was a stranger who appeared at the home a few months earlier, back in the fall, asking about hauling work. He meandered to the back of the house, pointed to two separate fuse boxes, and said, this is going to cause a fire someday. No. Strange, George thought, especially since he had just had the wiring checked by a local power company, which pronounced it in fine condition. Around the same time, another man tried to sell the family life insurance and became irate when George declined. Your house is going up in smoke, he warned.
1: It goes straight to the (laughs) top."
0: And your children are going to be destroyed. You are going to be paid for the dirty remarks you have been making about Mussolini. It's that guy. He did it. George George was indeed outspoken about his dislike for the Italian dictator, occasionally engaging in heated arguments with other members of Fayette's Italian community and at the time didn't take the man's threats seriously. The older Sauter sons also recalled something peculiar. Just before Christmas, they noticed a man parked along U.S. Highway 21, intently watching the younger kids as they came home from school. Ew. For
1: starters. All really
0: weird. Uh, the mob? Two separate people going, your house is gonna burn down. It's a mob thing. That's honestly what I think this is.
1: Because if separate people are all saying your Mussolini? house- Mussolini? Yeah. I forgot that's what was going down at the time, so I understand why he's in America.
0: There is big mob presence in Italy, though. Big time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But also, like, all these people are like, your house is going to go up because you're trash talking. Uh, And then all of a sudden, your family disappears with no trace. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, everything that you need to get your children out of the house is gone. Crazy. Or frozen.
0: No. It gets worse. Yeah, keep going. So around 1230 Christmas morning after the children had opened a few presents and everyone had gone to sleep, a shrill ring of the telephone broke the quiet. Jenny rushed to answer it. An unfamiliar female voice asked asked for an unfamiliar name. There was um, ruckus laughter and glasses clinging in the background. Jenny said you have the wrong number and hung up. Tiptoeing back to bed, she noticed all of the downstairs lights were still on and the curtains were open. The front door was unlocked. She saw Marion asleep on the sofa in the living room and assumed that the other kids were upstairs in bed. She um, She turned off the lights, closed the curtains, and locked the door and returned to her room. She just began to doze when she heard one sharp loud bang on the roof and then a rolling noise. Uh. An hour later, she was roused once again. This time by heavy smoke curling into her room. Weird, right? Clank, that's not Santa Claus. Clank and then a roll. Mm-hmm. It was rolling, though. So she couldn't understand how five children could perish in a fire and leave no bones, no flesh, nothing. She conducted her private experiment burning animal bones, chicken bones, beef bones, and pork chop bones to see if the fire consumed them each time she was left with a heap of charred bones. She knew that the remnants of various household appliances had been found in the burned out basement, still identifiable. An employee at the crematorium informed her that bones remain after the bodies are burned for two hours at 2,000 degrees. Yeah. Their house was destroyed in 45 minutes. And no trace of the bones at all. It could not have gotten hot enough, like even, for how fast it burned.
1: Even when bones are cremated, there are still chunks.
0: Mm-hmm. Like you can tell, there's bone mm-hmm.
1: chunks in there. Not like large, but like it looks different from ash, like normal
0: fire. There was this one case I heard on murder with my husband. This girl was killed, and the killer burned her remains in a fireplace outside mm-hmm. for days days yeah. and they still were able to identify her from bone fragments and teeth specifically teeth fragments mm-hmm. with specific fillings that were linked back to her dentist yeah yeah and it's like yes they didn't have the technology for that then but you if, could, if they even found remains at all they'd be like okay
1: if you're poking around a little bit you'll find something yeah
0: they should have found skeletal remains because with the fire that went out in 45 minutes they should have found skeletons or partial skeletons
1: unless it's like weird human combustion
0: (laughs) i don't think that's what we're dealing with that's for a later date so the collection of odd moments grew a telephone repairman told the solders that their lines appeared to have been cut not burned remember they tried to call
1: Yeah, and the lines were dead.
0: Mm -hmm. They realized that if the fire had been electrical, the result of faulty wiring, as the official report stated, then the power would have been dead. Mm -hmm. So how to explain the lighted downstairs rooms? (gasps) It
1: goes all the way to the top. The government's involved now.
0: The witness came forward claiming he saw a man at the fire scene... Uh, taking a block in tackle used for removing car engines, could he be the reason that George's trucks didn't start?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Just
0: snatches the engine.
1: <laughs> or it's like, oh my goodness. It's in the quarry. I don't know if you've ever played that game. Mm-mm. It's like a survive until the, the morning type game, oh, like okay. until dawn. Uh huh. In one scene, the guy just, like, rips a random part out of the the truck, and they can't leave, and that's how they get stuck there for the day or for the night. And he He just, just chooses a random piece. Yeah, and he pulls it out, and, like, the car can't start. So dumb. Yeah.
0: One day, while the family was visiting the site, Sylvia found a hard rubber object in the yard. Jenny recalled hearing the hard thud on the roof and the rolling sound. George concluded it was a napalm, pineapple bomb. Of the type used in warfare, literally napalm.
1: I when I heard rolling, I
0: assumed like a barrel rolling, not. I like was honestly thinking a Molotov. That too. But don't I don't know. But I was like, that would probably shatter. It would shatter. So first. it makes sense that she heard a thud and a roll because it's rubber. Yeah. It adds up. Yeah. So the. Then came the reports of the sightings. A woman claimed to have seen the missing children peering from a passing car while the fire was in progress. A woman operating a tourist stop between Fayette and Charleston, some 50 miles west, said she saw the children in the morning after the fire. I served them breakfast, she told the police. There was a car with Florida license plates at the tourist court, too. A woman at the Charleston hotel saw the children's photos in a newspaper and said she had seen all four or five a week after the fire. The children were accompanied by two women and two men, all of it Italian extractions, she said. I do not remember the exact date. However, the party did not register at the hotel and stayed in a large room with several beds. Hmm.
1: It's hard to believe those, though. For sure. Like, it was a week after. Like, are you mm-hmm. sure it was a week after? Yeah.
0: They registered about midnight. I tried to talk to the children in a friendly manner, but the men appeared hostile and refused to allow me to talk to the children. One of the men looked at me in a hostile manner. He turned around and began talking rapidly in Italian. Immediately, the whole party stopped stopped talking to me. I sensed that I was being frozen out, so I said nothing more. They left early the next morning. The mob? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Don't come get me, mob.
0: I forget that you're scared of the mob. I am. I'm not. (laughs) I'm sorry. Listen, I'm afraid of all things. That's fair.
1: I'm afraid of Bigfoot, for heaven's sakes. (laughs) And you love him. Yeah, I'm more just afraid of, like, the face, like, the idea. Like, I'm more afraid of the idea of the mob. Like, why Mm -hmm. would they come get me? Like, I have nothing on them.
0: But, like, they not leave your house, friend. Peace and love.
1: They could find my house.
0: The way you side-eyed me.
1: (laughs) Don't tell them that. In
0: 1947, George and Jenny sent a letter about the case to the Federal Bureau of Investigation and received a reply from J. Edgar Hoover. Although (laughs) I would like to be of... (laughs) The? J. Edgar Hoover? I guess. That's what their building is named
1: after. That's the person the FBI building is named for.
0: Well, this doesn't really cast him in good light, because he oh, said... Oh, yeah, the FBI sketch. You can oh, come yeah. get me, FBI guy. I, you know how I feel. Well, also, didn't the mob kind of control the FBI for a minute?
1: Everyone's controlled the FBI for a minute. Okay. Aliens could be controlling it now, for all I know. True. Sorry. So he <laughs>
0: said, although I would like to be of service, the matter-related uh, appears to be of local character and does not come within the investigative investigative jurisdiction of this bureau hoover's agents said that they would assist if they could get permission from local authorities but fire police and fire departments declined the offer
1: i think that's technically how it goes that
0: is how it goes but you have to remember the fire department didn't come
1: oh yeah for sure like that's sketch and they
0: and the police department was like oh they're all dead this is what happened and that's not what happened Yeah. They're clearly in on it.
1: Well, yeah, it took how long for them to respond to a fire? Seven hours. I would understand, like, an hour and a half where, like, it'd be kind of a gray area. But after that hour and a half, I'm like, okay, what were you doing?
0: Even 30 minutes is a long time for a a house fire.
1: That's what I'm saying. I'm like, okay. And
0: the whole town is, like, a mile long. Yeah. They can probably see it from their houses. They just,
1: like, peeked from their curtains. We're like,
0: oh. They're like, they're fine. Guess not. Like, what?
1: That's not till my normal eight to five. Could you imagine?
0: feel <laughs> <laughs> like that's outside my working hours, actually. Yeah. Sorry.
1: You're going to have to wait till we wake <sighs> up.
0: <sighs> hate it. Sorry. So, next, the solder's turned to a private investigator named CC C. Tinsley. Oh. Uh- Okay. Who discovered that the insurance salesman who had threatened George was a member of the coroner's jury that seemed that deemed the fire accidental? Hmm. Fishy, fishy. He also heard a curious story from a fire minister about F.J. Morris, the fire chief. Although Morris had claimed no remains were found, he supposedly confided that he discovered a heart in the ashes. He hid it inside a dynamite box and buried it at the scene. A heart. (laughs) Yeah. So Tinsley persuaded Morris to show them the spot. Together, they dug up the box and took it straight to the local funeral director, who poked and prodded at the heart and concluded that it was beef liver, untouched (laughs) by the fire.
1: Hold on. Uh, A beef liver?
0: Literally. No, this case is crazy. Wait, what?
1: Beef liver?
0: They 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 look like
1: two very different things.
0: They give reasoning why he does this. Okay. I don't remember where it is, but they give reasoning. Okay, I'm ready to hear it. So, soon afterward, the Sodders heard rumors that the fire chief had told others that the contents of the box had not been found in the fire after all. He had buried the beef liver in the rubble in hope that finding any remains would calm the family down enough to stop the investigation.
1: Couldn't be bothered to get a real...
0: Couldn't be bothered to even make it look like it had fire damage. It had no fire damage. Uh, uh. It's just sitting there.
1: Shout out to this funeral home worker, though. They're
0: They're like, like, guys...
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's beef liver. He's like, do you know
0: what a heart looks
1: like? Uh, also, you can't burn bones that fast.
0: Um, so, if it burnt all the bones to ash where we can't even find fragments, why would there be a whole heart untouched? In a box. Beneath this. Not surrounded by bones. Yeah. Or bone fragments. In a box. What? He's stupid. And a fire that was singeing arm hair. Criminals make me so mad but stupid criminals even make me more mad because i'm like at least try
1: at least try to pretend like you guys weren't involved I
0: know. so over the next few years the tips and leads continued to come george saw a newspaper photo of school children in new york city and was convinced that one of them was his daughter betty he drove to manhattan in search of the child but her family's her parents refused to speak to him in august in 1949 the Sauders decided to mount a new search at the fire scene and brought in a Washington, D.C., paleontologist, pathologist, not paleontologist, pathologist. It's all good. Named Oscar B. Hunter. The excavation was thorough, uncovering several small objects, damaged coins, a partly burned dictionary, and several shards of vertebrae. Hunter sent the bones to the Smithsonian Institution, which um, issued the following report. The human bones consist of four lumbar vertebrae belonging to one individual. Since the transfer, transverse recesses are fused, the age of this individual at death would have been a 16 to 17 years. The top limit of age should be about 22, since the centra, which would normally fuse at 23, are still unfused. On this basis, the bones should... The bones show greater skeletal maturation than one would expect from a 14-year-old boy, the oldest missing solder child. Gotcha. It is, however, possible, although not probable, for a boy of 14 and a half years old to show 16 to 17-year-old maturation.
1: But also, those were the only bones they found, right?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So, the vertebrae showed no evidence that they had been exposed to fire, the report said. Uh, and it is very strange that no other bones were found in the allegedly careful excavation of the basement of the house. Noting that the house reportedly burned for only about a half an hour or so, it said that one would expect to find the full skeletons of five children rather than only four vertebrae. Mm -hmm. The bones, the report concluded, were most likely in the supply of dirt that George used to fill the basement to create the memorial for his children. Which is also creepy. Yeah. But they could have been really old.
1: Yeah, but still.
0: Yeah, wild. There's just bones chilling.
1: That's why I say anywhere could be haunted. You never
0: know. It was the 1940s.
1: Things were going down in the 1940s. Yeah.
0: So the Smithsonian report prompted two hearings at the Capitol in Charleston, after which Governor Oakley L. Patterson and State Police Superintendent W.E. Burchett told the solders that their search was hopeless and declared the case closed. Right? It didn't even say
1: unsolved, it's just a cold case. No. They're you're like, closed. stop. You're done.
0: Yeah. Excuse me? So mean. There's a five kids, the oldest being 14 and a half, the youngest being five.
1: Absolutely not.
0: That's heartless.
1: <laughs> Absolutely not.
0: So undeterred, George and Jenny erected the billboard along Route 16 and passed out flyers offering a $5,000 reward for information leading to the recovery of their children. They soon increased the amount to $10,000. A letter arrived from a woman in St. Louis saying the oldest girl, Martha, was in a convent there. Another tip came from Texas, where a patron at a bar overheard the incriminating conversation about a long-ago Christmas Eve fire in West Virginia. Someone in Florida claimed that the children were staying with a distant relative of Jenny's. George traveled the country to investigate each lead, always returning home without answers. Aww. It's really That's sad. So sad. In 1968, more than 20 years after the fire, Jenny went to get the mail and found an envelope, envelope addressed only to her. It was postmarked in Kentucky, but had no return address. Inside was a photo of a man in his mid-twenties. On the flip side, a cryptic handwritten note read, Louis Sauter, I love brother Frankie. Illy boys. A nine, oh one, three, two, or thirty-five. Hmm. She and George couldn't deny the resemblance to their Louis, who was nine at the time of the fire. Beyond the obvious similarities, dark curly hair, dark brown eyes, they had the same straight, strong notes. The same upward tilt of the left eyebrow. Once again, they hired a pri- private detective and sent him to Kentucky. They never heard from him again.
1: The private detective? Mm-hmm.
0: Gone. I'm speechless. Mob? Yeah. So the Sauters feared that if they published the letter, their name of the town on the postmark, that they might harm their son. Instead, they amended the billboard to conclude the update. Um, Sorry. They amended the billboard to include the updated image of Lewis and hung an enlarged version over the fireplace. Time is running out for us, George said in an interview, but we only want to know. If they did die in the fire, we want to be convinced. Otherwise, we want to know what happened to them. Which, fair. He's like, if they're dead, we just want to know.
1: Yeah, just tell us. If they're dead, they're dead.
0: So he died a year later in 1968 still hoping for a break in the case. Jenny erected a fence around the property and began adding rooms to her home, building layer after layer between her and the outside. Since the fire had worn black, since the fire she had worn black exclusively as a sign of mourning and continued to do so until her own death in 1989. The board finally came down. Her children and grandchildren continued the investigation and came up with theories of their own. The local mafia had tried to recruit him, and he declined. Mm. Meaning, George, the dad. Yeah. They had tried to extort money from him, and he refused. The children were kidnapped by someone, and they knew. Someone who burst into the unlocked front door told them about the fire and offered to take them somewhere safe. They might not have survived the night if they have, and if they lived for decades... If it really was loose in the photograph, they failed to contact their parents only because they wanted to protect them. So Aww. these are the different theories either. Yeah. Like the mob, someone kidnapped them, you know. Yeah. Or the mob kidnapped them. <laughs> that, that's my bet. Same. So the youngest and last surviving soldered child, Sylvia, is now 69. She doesn't believe her siblings perished in the fire. When time permits, she visits uh, crime, crime sleuthing websites <laughs> and engages with people who are still interested in her family's mystery. Her very first memories of that are of that night in 1945 when she was two years old. She will never forget the sight of her father bleeding or the terrible symphony of everyone's screams. Oh. And she is no longer, and she is no closer to understanding why. This article was written in 2012, and she has since passed in 2021. Mm -hmm. Sad. Yeah, and that's all we know. That's crazy. I think it was the mob. Definitely. I don't know why, but for sure. They could have easily trafficked the kids, which that's what this is. But, yeah, it's really sad. It's really scary. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I just think because of the mass cover-up with local law enforcement and not so local law enforcement and had to be organized crime
1: yeah because that's
0: sketch it's just crazy that we still don't know and it was five kids Mm
1: -hmm. this is a future emily coming in to let you guys know that we did not have a good segue so it's just gonna go straight into my story thank you okay so, Emily, I'm, like, I'm going to tell you about the Veliska axe murders. Okay. uh Immediately, it did not come to mind. You were there for that whole adventure.
0: Yeah. I think we both had a hard time with this episode, if we're going to be honest with you guys, which uh, we are. Because the idea was really fun. Like,
1: we've listened to a lot of crazy, weird yeah. cases, but I've also been taking in Crime. Trim Crime? I have an, an M to there. <laughs> Uh, for who knows how long for sure so like ones that come to mind are super popular or mm-hmm. criminal mind
0: episodes yeah
1: bones came yeah. to mind a lot because i loved watching bones as a child
0: one for me that i thought of immediately would have been really good for the theme mm-hmm. but just way too dark for the subject matter that we usually cover like it would have been bad yeah, it's a super interesting case, and like, it is a survivor case, which makes it really special. Mm-hmm. But mine yeah. was
1: also survivor case too. I actually was listening to it. I listened to it to the first time because everyone was like, "Don't listen to it. It's too dark, too scary." Mm-hmm. And then last podcast on the left covered it. Oh, okay. And so I listened to it. While I was working at Undisclosed Bakery in the morning by myself. Oh no. The same day you were like, Emily, I heard a scream. And I said, Absolutely not. Okay, backstory. Emily comes in one time early morning undisclosed bakery
0: i know i have been there and then i let you in and i locked the door behind you immediately okay then maybe it was a different time. like but i hit way. your heels on the way in because i was closing the door so fast
1: yeah it must have been a different day then because okay. i was by myself and then you oh came okay in. but emily yeah emily had heard the scream she came in by herself <laughs> a little earlier than i did and when i got there she like i'm like get in she's like rushing me she's like get through this door get through this door and
0: And like like, we didn't even really know each other yet so you were
1: like hello i was like can i help you (laughs) she was like i heard a scream and then it clicked and i was like tell me everything
0: you know (laughs) yeah it was really weird it was when i was opening the back door and like i was using the hidden key and everything Mm -hmm. hidden in quotations yeah and I heard this blood curling scream. It was the mix of a woman's scream and the Aztec death whistle sound, if you know what that is. Just, like, mm-hmm. unnatural, like, made my hair stand up. And I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna die. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I had to wait, like, a good 30 minutes for you.
1: I, I don't know how. I would have called. Too bad we weren't, like, besties already then. I was shaking in my boots. And then I was like, you what? And so I was, like, making the dough, like, just, like, looking out the we window. We both
0: were shifty the whole time. <laughs> it was it's, terrible. Ugh.
1: And then after that, you would show me scary things at 5 o'clock in the morning.
0: Yeah, I showed you the Indonesian hopping Corpse Coast. Yeah. And from then on, besties. Besties.
1: Besties. <laughs> all it takes. It's Ridiculous. all it takes. Uh. Anyways. So, the Velisca axe murders. (laughs) I landed on this one because I remember, like, back in the day, just seeing photos. Like, one of your first crime scene photos. You can never... Oh, you
0: always remember your first crime scene photos. Yeah. I think I remember seeing that on Pinterest. Right? These axe murder photos. Literally. I don't know if it was this specifically, but it was tied to this because you know how the internet is. Mm -hmm. Is, Does it look like it's kind of in a barn? Yeah. Yes, I've seen it.
1: I don't think I it's saw attached it on Pinterest. to this one, but I remember the photos being attached to this yes. one, which is why I was like, "Uh huh, oh okay." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we were there. You were just on Pinterest for some weird reason, and I, I was don't... just straight up googling.
0: I things. think it's because it was the only thing I was allowed to have.
1: I would just Google. Because I was Mom, like, if
0: you're listening 11. to this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. It wasn't anything bad. It just. Just, crime scene photos
1: yikes that okay it was pretty bad to
0: us <laughs> like
1: i said my brain chemistry changed i'm gonna get That's into the whole this, point of this yeah uh so this article i'm reading from this one specifically is from iowacoldcases.org. Dot org, they're official <laughs> um <laughs> the case summary was compiled by jody ewing ewing anyways so, sometime around midnight between Sunday, June 9th, and Monday, June 10th, 1912, a person or persons entered a modest house in Viscola, Iowa. Yeah. Viscola, Iowa. I said that right, right? mm mm-hmm. um, And bludgeoned to death eight people sleeping there. Good. I'm there sorry, go. the break was just way too... No, m- it's okay. Okay. Including two adults and six six children aged five through twelve. The killings became known as the Vizcala Axe Murders and are easily most notorious murders in Iowa history. The murders spawned nearly 10 years of investigations, repeated grand jury hearings, a spectacular slander suit and murder trial, and numerous minor litigations and trials. The horrific crime scene made and broke political careers. Wow. Legislation was written in response to the murder, including the establishment of the current State Bureau of Criminal Investigations predecessor. Wow. So, the night before the murders, on Sunday evening, June 9th, 1912, Josiah Joe Moore and his wife Sarah took their four children, Herman 11, Catherine 10, Boy 7, and 5-year-old Paul, to the Children's Day service at the Presbyterian Church. Accompanying them were Lena, 12, and Ina Stillinger, 8. Neighbors who had asked their parents' permission to stay overnight with the Moore children. The Children's Day service was an end-of-the-year Sunday school program. Sarah Moore was a co-director, and her children performed their little speeches and recitations along with the other Sunday school members. So the service ended with a social mingling that lasted until 9.30 p.m. When parishioners left on that cloudy, damp, cool night, no one suspected that neither the Moors nor their overnight guests would be seen alive again. Jeez. They walked three blocks to their home, cookies and milk ended the festive evening, and they all went to bed. Sometime after midnight, the killer or killers picked up Joe's axe from the backyard, entered the house, and bludgeoned to death all eight of its occupants. Wow. By 7.30 a.m. on June 10th, Mary Peckman, an elderly neighbor to the west, became more concerned that the Moores house seemed quiet and deserted. Weird for a house with four children and two guests there. Yeah. Uh, so she called Joe's brother Ross, a local it says druggist. Like drugs <laughs> a druggist.
0: Like a pharmacist probably.
1: Probably. Uh, but he around there he arrived around eight AM to look around. His cautious inspection of the downstairs revealed two figures covered with a sheet in the back bedroom, and he also saw blood on the bedstead. Ross stepped back away from the crime scene and called Joe's Hardware Store, telling employee Ed Selly to fetch Marshal Henry Hank Horton because something (laughs) terrible had happened. Hank arrived around 830, went through his house, and found, as he told Ross when he came out, somebody murdered in every bed. Wow. The partially cleaned murder weapon was left leaning against the south wall of the downstairs bedroom where the visiting Stillingers were found. Yeah. So, they were all found dead. Yeah. Which is insane. In their beds.
0: And, like, someone had to have heard that. Mm -hmm. And they were all still in their beds. Yep. Every single one of them. That's not a clean... It's hard to kill someone with an axe. Yeah. We've gone through Lizzie Borden. It's hard to kill someone with an Mm -hmm. axe. Like, you're going to hear it. People are going to scream. You don't die instantly. Really gruesome, I know. But it's weird that they were still all in their beds. Like, Mm -hmm. they didn't get up and run. Or go up and see what was going on. That doesn't make sense. I think they believe that the
1: parents were killed first. No one knows exactly what happened.
0: Because, like,
1: it's weird. They all died. Yeah. Used a weapon that was already at the house. Mm Mm-hmm. Even though it gets weird because I think in the court they'd used an axe that they believed one of the killers had bought. So it was like, they don't have the real axe as evidence. I saw that in Ghost Adventures, though, so it's kind of sussy. Yeah. But I love Ghost Adventures. So, the bizarre murder scene. The killer had added two bizarre touches to the murder scene. The first was a four-pound piece of slab bacon leaning against the wall next to the axe. (laughs) Yeah. What? Just a random piece of meat. I don't remember that. If you watch uh, Colby and Sam, mm-hmm. they go into it a little bit more, and it's gross. Really gross. Oh. But also, I liked watching them because they walk you through the house before like they normally do. Yeah. And so, in one room, like, the caretaker's there with them, mm-hmm. and he's like, you can still see the axe imprints in the ceiling. <sighs> no, like, no one had oh patched over Oh, my gosh. It. Um, and they believe that the killer had used the axe backwards. Because yeah, because they
0: were bludgeoned.
1: They were bludgeoned. And
0: For it was faster. For anyone who doesn't know what that means is basically they use the blunt side and beat them with it. Opposed mm-hmm. to using the sharp side. Because it could get stuck. And hacking at them. It it creates very different wounds. That's yeah. how they know. So they think
1: it was faster than using the sharp That's brutal.
0: Brush. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense because it would get stuck in bone and stuff which is gross i'm sorry it's
1: gross and graphic but that's the reason it makes sense yeah so like yeah you can see the after i'm gonna have to
0: watch that so good
1: i will send it to you i haven't finished it yet perfect (laughs) i love them um so the murderer had also searched dresser drawers for a piece of uh clothing to cover the mirrors in the house and glass of the entry doors so every single mirror and glass had been covered in the house
0: Interesting. Like he That's maybe very didn't superstitious. See or, or superstitious. Yeah, it was, yeah. Because some people see mirrors as portals. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Weird.
1: Yeah. Um, and on the kitchen table there was a plate of uneaten food and a bowl of bloody water.
0: <laughs> Nasty. Did he wash his hands before you
1: left, or? I don't. I don't know. He's so weird. weird.
0: This is really weird. <laughs>
1: but all the victims were found in their beds, their heads covered with bedclothes, and had all all of their skulls had been battered 20 to 30 times with the blunt end of the knife, or the axe. Yeah. And like I said earlier, the ceiling in the parents' bedroom and the children's room showed gouge marks, apparently made by the upswinging of an axe. So he went up so high, he caught the ceiling. Yeah.
0: Or... That's a really tall person.
1: The walls are also slanted.
0: Oh, okay. I'm fair, like, wait, hold on. Fair, fair, back, back it
1: up. They could also tell he was left-handed because of this. Interesting. Uh, the way that the beds were placed and the angle of the ceiling.
0: I think I remember this case a little. Like, more and more as you're talking. Mm-hmm. But, so, the amount of blows suggests a lot of rage, which usually means it's someone that you know. Mm-hmm. And usually there's not a lot of remorse in killings like that, but covering their face might make you think there is. But I think it's more his guilt. way of saying, I don't think it was guilt. I think it was his way of saying, don't look at me. That too. And I also like silencing them.
1: Maybe, but I don't know if it was before or after they had died. The
0: mirrors covered and their faces covered. He didn't want to see himself. He didn't want anyone to see him.
1: Which is why I'm going to tell you who I think it is after I tell you all this information.
0: Gotcha. Because that's what I was also getting at. I'm like, things are making sense. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, there's a picture of the funeral procession. Interesting. Good old funeral coach. Like an actual coach. I want a coach at my funeral. There's one at um, Greenwood Cemetery in Phoenix. They have an old (laughs) funeral coach. I love that you know that. I would live whenever we would go to that cemetery i'm like can we go can we go look at that
0: i want to be cremated though can they just like it's by the the uh the mausoleum oh
1: wait not the mausoleum
0: do they use it though or is it just decoration
1: it's just decoration but like it's sitting there
0: i want them to use it i want to be carried by a funeral coach uh as a funeral home worker we
1: weren't allowed to call the hearse a hearse it's a funeral coach fine so that's still kind of i want old
0: timey. Though. I'll build you one. Thanks. We'll start now. <laughs> I all I saw a sea burial on TikTok today, and they uh-huh. just like shot the casket into the water. <gasps> it was really funny. That would be really fun for me. It was nice though, like it was yeah. respectful and everything. And there was flowers on it, and there's holes so it in the casket, so it would sink. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyways, moving on.
1: Um, though Lena Stillinger's nightgown had been pushed up, the skin would get kind of graphic. So. Her nightgown had been pushed up and she'd been left exposed. Like, she didn't mm-hmm. have any underwear. Mm-hmm. Doctors concluded she had not been sexually assaulted, though. Interesting. Uh, Lena also had a blood stain on her knee and an alleged defensive wound on her arm. So she oh, did fight so she back. fought. Good for her. Um, the Moore Stillinger Funeral Services were held in uh, Williscus Town Square on June 12, 1912, with thousands in attendance national guardsmen blocked the street as a hearse moved towards the firehouse where the eight victims lay their caskets not on display during the funeral were later carried on several wagons to the uh, cemetery for burial the funeral cortege that's not the right word there were 50 carriages
0: oh wow for the funeral service wow um it well, was a lot of people yeah a lot of bodies
1: Alright, so that's kind of just the rundown of what Mm -hmm. happened. So, the person that I think did it is Mm the reverend. And I'm going to get into this. T. So, yeah. There are two main suspects. It's this guy and... Oh, dear. They don't list it in this article. He worked with the father. Oh, okay. The the Mm husband-father. And... People think it was him because they were, like, in a rivalry. They wouldn't even walk down the same side of the street if they saw each other.
0: Wow. So That does... It does... Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It makes sense with how personal the murders were.
1: Yes, but they think that he would have hired someone to do it. And the person he would have hired was out of town. So, I personally don't (laughs) think it was him.
0: He's, like... If I did it, I wouldn't do it like that, but I would do it like this, and that guy was out of town.
1: Yeah, basically. That's crazy. But also, I don't think he would have killed the whole family.
0: Yeah, like, that doesn't not... make sense for a rivalry, in my opinion. Yeah. Especially the two neighbor kids. Mhm. Um,
1: so, they're reverent. I'm going to get into him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At 5.19 a.m. the morning following the murders, Reverend Lynn George Jacqueline Kelly, all the names, <laughs> left on board the westbound number five train and allegedly told fellow travelers there were eight dead souls back in Veskala, Iowa. Butchered in their beds while they slept, he said. Even though the bodies hadn't been discovered. So it was him. Basically, at 519, (laughs) the morning they died,
0: he said... They weren't discovered till like eight, right? Roughly? The afternoon. They were like, it's
1: too quiet over there. Someone go check on them.
0: That's sad. Yeah.
1: So, Kelly had arrived in I cannot say it now that I'm looking at the word Vis- viscula. I know what you mean. Okay. You guys know what I mean. I said it right the first time, so if that's how I'm saying it, then we'll continue. I believe in you. I just... After looking in- at the word, it means nothing to me. Anymore. No, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, after he drive arrived in town for the first Sunday morning of the murders, and it- he attended the Sunday school performance by the two Stillinger girls before departing early Monday. He returned two weeks later and, posing as a detective, joined a tour of the murder house with a group of investigators. Oh my gosh. Authorities first became interested in Reverend Kelly a few weeks after the murders, after being alerted by recipients of his rambling letters. Kelly, the son and grandson of English ministers, had suffered a mental breakdown as an adolescent. Since immigrating to America with his wife in 1904, Kelly had preached at the Methodist Church across North Dakota. So, well, North Dakota, Minnesota, Kansas, Iowa. Wow. He was a traveling minister. Yeah. Okay. He'd been assigned as a visiting minister to several small communities north of Vallisca, where he had developed a reputation for odd behavior. He had also mm. been convicted of sending obscene material through the mail and had spent some time in a mental hospital. Okay. So he was a peeping Tom. Oh, okay. A creepy. Just creepy, gross, kinda weird. Mm-hmm. Got sent to a mental hospital because mm-hmm. of it. A grand jury indict in How do you say Indicted? That? In yeah. Oh dear. English. Here <laughs> good. They had indicted Kelly for Lena's murder, and he was still interrogated throughout the summer of nineteen seventeen while in jail awaiting trial. On August 31st at 7 a.m., Kelly signed a confession to the murder saying God had whispered to him to suffer the children to come to me. Kelly recanted his confession at trial and his case went to the jury on September 26th. The jury deadlocked 11 to 1 for acquittal. A second jury was immediately impaneled but acquitted Reverend Kelly in November. No one else has ever been tried for the murders and the crime remains one of the most horrific unsolved mass murders in American history.
0: So they basically didn't have enough yeah, convict him. It's all circumstantial. Gotcha. Because but no one can place him there. So did he have like... With what we were saying, they didn't want to see him? Mm-hmm. What was up with that? Or he didn't want people to see him? Do He's we know? He's reverend.
1: Why would you uh, want to see yourself committing sin? That's what I thought.
0: Okay. Because I was like... First, I think I'm confusing it with a different axe murderer. No, I know what you're who talking was about. was huge
1: in the barn and they all didn't have their heads? Yes.
0: Yeah. So yeah. I thought, I was like, oh, didn't he like have facial deformities or something? But no, that makes sense. hmm That does make sense. And then the guilt is more probable to me now. Yeah. Because of
1: that he was a reverend. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Wheels turning. What are you thinking?
0: I. So my theory, right off the bat, when you said that, the mom was left exposed, but she was not, not sexually assaulted. It was
1: the eleven-year-old.
0: The eleven-year-old. Yeah,
1: I said, hold up.
0: No, nope. the mom and dad I it was just the mom.
1: That made it worse for me. And the eleven-year-old was the visitor. She was the neighbor. Oh my gosh.
0: And he saw the performance, he saw, he scouted the kids. He watched them all walk home together. That could have been the motive for all of this. Mm -hmm. Like the start of it, he wanted, oh my gosh. Yep. But he was acquitted. But from what we know, I don't know if we know, Mm -hmm. but it seems like he was never convicted of actually sexually abusing somebody. beyond peeping tom and everything i don't think he had the confidence i don't think he ever touched anyone but that doesn't mean he's a clean cut guy i'm just saying i don't think he had the confidence to go through with it no and maybe that enraged him maybe and he killed the family
1: but it happened after she died because her arms were okay graphic she was pulled down and her arms were above her head, like she had been dragged down towards the oh, end of okay. the head. But she wasn't, she was examined. Nobody touched her, okay. other than killing her.
0: Okay. That was just my mm-hmm. theory with that. Yeah. And it was kind of going more along with if he had physical appearances that he was not comfortable with. Oh, he was short with. and left-handed. Which was a no-no in the church at the time. Left-handed? Hmm? Girl, people thought it was of the devil. I'm shaking and I don't know why. But only when I flex my thumb.
1: Okay, because I'm like, I'm about to tell you about the ghost stories. No, I'm good. Okay. I didn't know that they thought it was of the devil.
0: No, yeah. Like people, like teachers, mm-hmm. they would, if you were left-handed as a kid, they would tie your hand to the back of your chair or hit you with rulers to make you stop riding with your left hand because they said it was of the devil. That
1: I did know that they would force you to not be left-handed. I didn't know they thought it was of the devil, though.
0: No, yeah. Crazy. Mm-hmm.
1: Anyways, like I said, I'm going to tell you about the ghost stories because that's what I'm here for.
0: One of my brother's preschool teachers said it was of the devil. <gasps> and my mom said, he will Excuse not be me? coming back. You're crazy. Good for your mom. My brother, by the way, is like 26. This is not that long ago. <laughs> not long not long enough for this to happen
1: even if it were my brother peace and love who's a little bit older that would still be really weird
0: mm-hmm Ew. sorry go ahead go into the ghost stories all because this is what i'm here stop for. with my theories like
1: i said uh no we love your theories you can
0: i'm just profiling this pathetic man yeah no He's pathetic regardless
1: if he did it or not.
0: Not that I'm a profiler. I don't know what I'm talking about, to be clear. We've
1: seen enough criminal minds. I'm just
0: a lady with a mic.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm barely an adult you at know, that. It's fine.
1: Um, But like I said, Sam and Colby did this. Ghost yeah, Adventures. Yeah. Pretty much anyone w- who did anything. Emily, are you okay?
0: Yeah, I'm literally fine. I don't know why my hand is shaking. Okay. This your one's eyes not-
1: look a little watery. I'm tired. Okay. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna move on. I'm sorry, everyone. This episode's a mess. We've paused like 50 times. <laughs> and Emily's crying now. No,
0: my eyes... My eyebrow was twitching.
1: Maybe that's why... I think I'm just tired. That's the eye that looks watery. We'll stop and we'll have a sugar eye after this. I'm good. Okay, so these ghost stories are from adelaidehauntedhorizons.com.au <laughs> <laughs> um ghost stories of the I cannot say the name of the town now Viet Velisca Axe Villisca.
0: House.
1: I don't know where I got Viet I don't know either it's fine I just work here it's fine so, they actually went to the house. You can go and do paranormal investigations, but I think they're always booked out a year in advance, so... Don't you
0: have to pay for those type of things, too? Yeah. Like, a lot? Yeah. Because it's a small house. I've looked at it before. Yeah. <laughs> Not this specifically, but I places Sally in house. general.
1: Yeah. Um, so, we're just going to follow them. When we arrived at the house, we were lucky to be hosted by Johnny Hauser, a local paranormal investigator who's been working at the house and researching there for over 15 years his knowledge was not only of the history but of the ghost stories and it was fast the viscola axe murder house has now appeared on numerous tv shows and become a lot more famous or should that be infamous i also want to say they don't advertise like their ghost stuff interesting it's all word of mouth
0: yeah they're that's, like we don't pay for marketing ooh, that's weird yeah
1: we, he began by telling us about the main suspect, Reverend Kelly. Kelly was a self-ordained minister who had recently arrived in town. Later on, he confessed. yada yadda, Where do you know about that creep. Mm-hmm. Johnny told of how he had come in several times, only to hear footsteps on the floor above him. So he started staying the night and has now done over 400 vid- lone vigils here. Wow. So he goes in and out by himself all the time. Mm-hmm. He, I think he lives on the grounds, but like in the adjacent building. It's not a very big building, but it's where he stays. So, he said that he hadn't been able to find a pattern of when and will it will happen, but believes that the house seems to be just messing with people. Hmm. He would get names, but different ones on each recording. Interesting. Upon checking, however, he would find that the names were those listed as suspects. Wait, hold on. Upon checking, however, he would find that the names were those listed as suspects, which was half the town. It's a small town. Yeah. One would ask, though, if it was messing with investigators or... Um, well, hold on. This is really weird. One of Johnny's personal experiences that stayed with us for the night was the time that he was in the upstairs children's room. He had positioned himself and his friend in a very large closet with the door shut to do an EVP session. Mm-hmm. Almost straight away, he and his friend heard footsteps downstairs. They started to come up the stairs towards them. Johnny was convinced someone had broken into the house. Mm-hmm. The heavy footsteps entered the room, so he thought he would scare them by suddenly kicking the door open, expecting to confront an intruder, only to find no one there. Jeez. He told the same story on Sam and Colby's channel, but mm-hmm. he said he was by himself in that one.
0: Interesting. So I don't know. If he's just mixing things up since he's done so many investigations or.
1: Yeah, or what's going on. How
0: there. accurate it is. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there's a lot of EVP captured at the Fiscal Axe Murder House. Mostly from young children, but never the parents.
0: Interesting. It always
1: seems to be Ina and Lena, which again makes Johnny wonder if the house is just messing with people or what better way to disarm you than presenting as one of the children.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: We did ask him to stay and investigate with this, but he explained that he doesn't stay and investigate there anymore. A strange but specific thing started happening in his own house, which is Ooh. close by. His wife, who is a non-believer, started experiencing stuff too, so Johnny decided to make his peace with the Viscula axe murder house. Promise not to investigate again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then they're going to go into their paranormal investigation. And so it was that it was time for us to investil- investigate the Viscula Axe murder house. To be honest, this was the hardest investigation we'd ever done. Not because of the ghosts, but because of the sadness of this place.
0: Mm.
1: All around the house, the faces of the children looked down on you from multiple photos, and as a mother, knowing what happened made it very hard emotionally. Yeah. Uh. So for longer than Cag Alwood and I should have, we sat in the kitchen chatting, subconsciously delaying what we were there to do. Mm-hmm. Because we were very um, settled in the kitchen, we finally decided we would start there. We started by trying for the children. Very quickly, our batteries started to drain. Mm-hmm. They were fully charged when we had arrived, and it wasn't a cold night, which can cause drainage in batteries. Yeah. At first, it was really quiet with no response. We did an EVP burst. Um, Electronic voice phenomena. On listening back, there did seem to be a couple of responses. The clear seemed to be a male saying car. Maybe they wanted us back in the car and gone? Uh, The Estes was a little more interesting. The first word that came out was leave. On asking for a name, it came out with Henry and then murder. Mm. At first, it meant nothing until Cag picked up the information sheet later. We asked if Henry was the murderer and were told to immediately get out and leave. Jeez. Henry Moore, not related, was another suspect on the list who was, um, an interant? I don't know what that word is. (laughs) Although not convicted of his crime, he was a suspected serial killer, with an axe being his method of choice. Eventually, he was convicted of the murder with an axe of his mother and grandmother several months later. It was thought that they may have been responsible for up to 25 axe murders across several states, including Vallisca. Interesting. Uh, I think there's a book written about this. It's in Sam and Colby's YouTube video. Oh, okay, you can find it. I just keep going back to them. I watched that one the most recent. <laughs> On asking if any of the children were there, they got an immediate yes and the name Ina, and was followed by house death us. This quickly turned back to get out leave mm-hmm. again before almost a warning person here. Jeez. Yeah, we moved into the lounge, so that was all in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. As we talked about the children in the photographs, I thought I heard a children's voice audibly as I did the EDI, Environmental Detection Instrument. Mm-hmm. Temperature and air pressure triggered. Although I don't tag it in the video, as I was listening back on the headphones, there did seem to be constant voice murmurings. Low, but there in the recording.
0: That's creepy.
1: At the time, we didn't really think we got anything at all. It seemed to be very quiet for us, and we felt like we weren't getting anything, so we were tired to have a quick sleep in the car. Early in the morning, we returned more refreshed, went upstairs in the kids' bedroom, and did another EVP session with a ghost box. With no EVP, we returned back to the ghost box. The first word to come out was Paul. Paul was the youngest of the more children. Wow. On asking how many children were in the house, it said two and girls. On asking its names, it came out with Ina. Interestingly, we turned on the ovulus earlier, and it had also come out with Ida.
0: Hmm
1: uh and we questioned that if "ina" wasn't a name programmed in would it go for the nearest word it wasn't long before the responses turned back to get out and leave Mm -hmm. which seems to be like a recurring thing above like throughout anyone who goes to the house it's always get out leave
0: they don't want them there Mm -hmm. but also could go back to like the original murder like them wanting this person to be out of the house yeah well, and people
1: say that, like, the ghost messes with you in a very, like, mental way. Mm. So they think that it's probably the reverend haunting it because he was mentally unwell. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the vibes they get. I thought
0: of that as well. Yeah. Because this seems a lot more hostile than victims would be, mm-hmm. especially children.
1: Yeah. They do get a lot of weird, like, children playing with toys and stuff, like, there'll be balls pushed around, Mm -hmm. just things like that, footsteps. But, um, going back to the article, Johnny said this house seems to be a mirror. If you're a bad person, you have bad experiences. A good person, you have good experience. It, uh, it is again as if the house reads you and messes with you. Kag and I had nothing bad happen, so hopefully that means we're good people. (laughs) It does seem to be giving people what they're looking for, whether a negative or positive experience. Mm. So the house will, like, if you go in and you poke it, it'll it'll, it'll poke, poke you back.
0: back yeah. yeah.
1: But if you're like, hey, ghosts, I'm just here for a fun time. Yeah. They won't mess with you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's interesting, interesting that way. And
0: that's the Viscola Axe Murders. Interesting. Yeah. Crazy that we both did Unsolved yeah cases again though but you guys seem to like them
1: yeah hopefully you guys do i think so <laughs> from our numbers you guys really like them
0: Mm-hmm. wow well, anyways well we'll wrap up this long long episode i hope you guys had a good time i know i did i did trying to figure things out um remember to take your meds plug in your heating pads and stay spooky stay spooky goodbye,
1: goodbye.